Let's dive right in. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 30. And we're going to pick it up in verses 7 through 15. And Lord, we do thank you that you love us. Thank you so much that you desire to speak to us. And so, Lord, speak to us one more time. Uh, Lord, you, through your word, by your Holy Spirit, in Jesus name. Amen. All right. First Samuel uh, chapter 30, looking at verses seven through 15. Once again, the title of this message is Overcoming Grief. And this is part two. Overcoming Grief, part two. As you know, just just in case the Philly cheesecake steak kind of twisted your brain a little bit. Let me remind you of part one of this study. We saw how David and his men finally returned home to the city of Ziklag to find it burned with fire, according to verse one. And to make matters worse, their wives and children were taken captive in verse two. As expected, David and his men in verse four lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. David's two wives were taken. And, and you know, it, it's just amazing And that verse six says that he was greatly distressed, not only because his wives and, his, and the family of his men were taken, but now his men talked about stoning him to death. And David dealt with his grief by strengthening or encouraging himself in the Lord. The end of verse six says, now we pick it up uh, and pick up the account of verses seven through ten. Look what it says there. It says, then David said to Abathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, bring the ephod here to me. And, Ab and Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. And so David went, he and the 600 men who were with him and came to the brook Bezor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued he and the 400 men uh, for 200 stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Bezor. Now, in these verses, we see how David encouraged himself in the Lord. How? By going to the Lord. So often we go to everyone else except to the Lord. We run into people all the time that, you know, like I said, only a third of our church has returned uh, since covid uh, and all my friends around the country that I talked to, they said, oh, no, we, we're pretty much back. It's different, different area, different climate, different clientele. It's just different. So only a third of the churches come back. Uh, and so we see them out. Walmart and Sam's Club. Hey, where you been? Oh, well, you know, Pastor Tony, you know, I just I just been going through. Why is it when we are going through things that we run away from the Lord instead of running to the Lord and where the people are? So many people, they are under this, this false notion, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, the, the, the church is the, the church is the people. And I understand what they're what they're saying. But you have to understand 
that God loves and talks about when his people are gathered together. There's something to it. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the matter of some. Some were doing it, but exhort and encourage one another. And so much more as you see the day of the Lord approaching Hebrews 1025. See, this is what I love to point out. You know, those people who say, well, I don't have to go to church or meet with God. I, I can meet with God at home or up in the mountains or by the ocean. I can meet with God. I don't have to go to church. I said, oh, I said, OK. You remember in John chapter 20 when <laughs> when Jesus appeared to the disciples and Thomas wasn't there. And they rubbed it in. They man, you missed the Lord, Thomas, man. You missed it. Jesus was here. He said, oh, unless I can see the nail prints in the sand. You know the story. <laughs> that next Sunday night, oh, Thomas was there. He made sure he was there that next time. And Jesus, Jesus said, hey, hey, come here, Thomas, put your hand here. In other words, he was saying, Thomas, I heard you. Even though you can't see me, I'm still there. And here's the thing that I want to show you with all of the, that I just said. Jesus didn't go to Thomas's house. He went to where the believers were gathered together. So for those who like to say, oh, I don't have to go to church and meet with God. Oh, OK, I get what you're saying. But Jesus didn't go to Thomas's house. He went to where the believers are gathered together, where two or more are gathered together in my name. I'm in the midst of them. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. So all that mess about that, I don't have to go to church and church is the people. And it's not a building. You know, I, you don't think I know that? <laughs> That the church is not a building. Jesus didn't, uh, you know, didn't say on this rock, I will build my church. And he was talking about the building. No, I understand the building just gives the people of God a chance to gather together and don't get rained on. Or don't have the elements beat us up. It's where we gather together. Oh, I don't know. Somebody need to hear that. I don't know who it is. You, you know who you are. You need to hear that. You probably one of those ones. I can go meet the Lord in the woods. OK. I don't know why you would go out there to meet the Lord. I mean, you can meet him in a nice building, especially that nice building y'all got. It's called Cornerstone. Oh, shoot. yeah. So I just said he didn't go to Thomas's house. He went to where the believers are gathered together. David immediately in verse seven, notice how he called for Abiathar, the priest, and together they sought the Lord. He told him to bring the ephod, which was the breastplate used to inquire of the Lord during this time. Now, David inquires of the Lord in verse eight and notice how he was very specific in his request to the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop. That's the first thing. The second question, shall I overtake them? Oh, David probably didn't want to just keep pursuing, pursuing and pursuing and, 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 and possibly never catch up with them. So he says, shall, shall I catch up with them? So he asked the Lord, shall I overtake them? And God responds and said, pursue, you shall overtake them and without fail recover all. Now, I find this very interesting 
that God quickly and specifically answered David, who was not in the best place spiritually. You have to realize that David just came from two years of fooling around with Achish in the land of the Philistines in the, in, in the enemy's territory. He wasn't in the best place spiritually, but I want you to notice how God answered him specifically. And I find this fascinating because you remember God didn't and wouldn't even talk to Saul at the end of his life, according to 1 Samuel 28, verses 3 through 6. And God assured David of his success. (laughs) This blows me away. It blows me away because it reminds me of what Romans 4, 17 says. It says God calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Please understand, you realize that God isn't waiting for tomorrow to happen. You know that, don't you? God already knows what's going to happen tomorrow, next week and, you know, week after that, next year. follow. He already knows. God calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So here it is. David asked, shall I pursue this troops? God said, yeah. Shall I overtake him? Yes, you're going to overtake them and recover everything. God is not waiting on next week to occur, 20 years from now. Everything is right now with God. And so here's the thing I find that I just find this uh, amazing. Because this hearing God say this had to be really encouraging for David. Just keep in mind, notice how David dealt with his grief. He went to the Lord in prayer. Oh, we see it in Psalm 42, verse five, when he says, why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. This is how David encouraged or strengthened himself in the Lord during his time of grief. He did some healthy self-talk. And I said healthy self-talk. You talk to yourself too much. We're going to get the white coats to come and ask you a few questions. No, he did a healthy self-talk and he followed it up with prayer and praise as we see here. So when you're experiencing grief, and we all will, remember I said all of us are either about to experience grief, we're in the midst of grief, or we're just coming out of grief. So when you are in in the midst of experiencing grief, and you see that it is slipping into depression and despair, hit the brakes, Do some self-talk like David shows us here and follow it up by going into prayer and then into praise. I had to do this in my own life. Um, And I'm just just sharing. I don't mind sharing my fumbles and bumbles. You know, old preacher been in ministry over 60 years. He told me one time he said, never be the heroes, a hero of all your stories. One, one, one thing that I will share, notice I talked about when you're in grief and you see it slipping into despair and depression, that's where I was. You have to understand something. <laughs> Pre-COVID, I would say uh, October of 2019, we had just celebrated our 25th anniversary 
as a church. We were in our brand new facility and things were going good. A few months, October, November, December, January, things were going good, you know. And we were, we used to be at four Sunday morning services. And I said, okay, now we can go back to, we can go back to two. I was like, man, we haven't been in two services in years. Yeah, this is great. Then all of a sudden, as the weeks went by, I saw the church. It was great. I said, oh my God, am I going to have to go back to three services? I was like, whoa. And so, and then I, I left. I was uh, I, I spoke at uh, uh, in Albuquerque at, at Pastor Skip Heisig's church. I left there. I went to Harvest and spoke for Great Glory um, at, at the two campus, Orange County campus and uh, at the Riverside campus. I spoke at their midweek services and all that kind of stuff. And just, you know, things are just going good. I, I head back home. And as I'm heading back home, I heard something about a. A uh, 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 COVID, COVID nineteen. I said, "Huh?" And then everything shut down, and I was like, "Wow!" Next thing you know, here I am in a brand new auditorium, talking to a camera. The entire place is empty, and I'm talking to people on a camera. And I said, what in the world is this? And for months, I sat at home, depressed, upset, angry with God, because I said, God, you allowed this. You allowed COVID to kill the church. I said, you allowed this. And I said, you saw what was happening. You allowed the COVID to kill the church. So I'm mad at you, too. And I was sitting at home and I was just stewing, sitting in my anger because I said, God, you could have prevented this. I said, people already got the sorriest excuses why they can't come to church. Oh, I'm tired. My toe hurt. Uh, You know, I I might be sick, Uh, you know. I said, now you've given them a legitimate reason not to come to church. COVID, COVID. I ain't been because of COVID. And I laugh at it now because every Saturday I see 70, 80,000 packed in football stadiums. Sunday, I see the same amount in NFL stadiums. Preseason NBA games, I see the stadiums packed out. But when you see them, oh, what about church? COVID. (laughs) And so for months, I was mad. I was mad at God. I said, God, we just got this new auditorium. I said, look, it's only a third of the people. and And that's doing good. I just said... And and when I saw myself slipping into despair, where I'm just like, you can have this mess. I'm out. I had to do some self-talk. I had to do what David said. Dude, what? Why are you acting like this? What's wrong with you? Did God get off the throne or something? Hoping God. That was a Tony Clark translation, you know. <laughs> and, and, and I had to 
I had to hope in God. I had to put my hope back in him. Because God said, I can do in one service what you can never do in a million years. So did, did I get off the throne? I'm doing something. The American church need to be purged. There need to be clear distinction between the sheep and the goats. Clear who is who is really a believer and who's just been pretending all this time. And and God had to really speak to my heart and I had to do some some real self-talk here. Notice how the self-talk caused David to turn his attention back on God. He told himself, why are you cast down hope in God? Uh, This flooded David's mind with God's goodness and faithfulness towards him. And he was greatly encouraged. And the same thing happened to me when I did. I said, I got I got to get off this, so to speak, off this couch. I got to get out of this lazy boy chair. I got to get back to doing the things that I know to do spiritually. Yes, I was still reading the word. Yes, I will offer up some prayers. But my walk with God was not where it was supposed to be. Because I allowed for myself to, to go into despair and into depression. And I had to do some self-talk. See, so David went in verse nine, he and the 600 men, he and the 600 men who were with him and and he traveled 16 miles until they came to the brook Bezor, where 200 of them stayed behind. Uh, This shows us all because you are encouraged by the Lord. Don't miss this. And ready to move out doesn't mean that everyone is going to go with you. Everyone's not going to go with you. Did you know everybody's not going to be happy for you either? You realize that, don't you? No, I, I have seen this in the history of our church. You know, we were we were in one location called York County. And we were there for about six years. And so we had outgrown that place. We had one service, two services, three services. We were just busting out the scene. People spilled all in the hallway. And just it was just crazy. So we 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 got a facility in Newport News, this was York County in Newport News. It was only 6.6 miles away. So we got there June of 2002. We had our first survey. We were like, yeah, all right. We can just, you know, we can go. We can go uh, back to one service within four months. By October 2002, our church doubled. And then all of a sudden, I just I just got to scratch in my head. I said, whatever happened with so-and-so and so-and-so? They said, no, they, they said they weren't coming. They ain't coming over here. I said, it's just 6.6 miles away. Mm-hmm. No, they said, no, we're good. And we didn't miss them because the church doubled and we just didn't miss them. Then we were there in that location for 15 years. Then we were at one service, two services, three services, four services, so it's time for us to move again. We move down the road, bought a shopping center, moved down the road 1.7 miles away. On the same street. People said, no, 
We ain't coming down there with you. All because you're encouraged and blessed doesn't mean everybody's going to come with you. You would think, oh, man, don't you want to? The Lord is blessed. Don't you want to be a part of this? Nah, we're good. Because see, many of them say, we're so used to just walking across the street to church, walking. Man, down there, they just, I just can't walk. I, I, I said, but what, what about your car? I mean, you go to Walmart, and that's about a good five miles away. But you can't come to church that's 1.7 on the same road. Not everybody's going with you. And you cannot be upset when they don't want to go with you. Especially church people. Oh, church people can be such a trip. Oh, I said I was going to write a book, When Sheep Attack. Um, <laughs> but it's been done two or three times already. So, you know, so I said, I'll just write When Vicious Sheep Attack. And then somebody wrote a book on that, too. So I just, uh, you know, not everyone is going to go with you now. Did this discourage David? No, because verse 10 said that David took the 400 men and he left the 200 behind who were too weary uh, to cross the brook Bezor. Now, I think that these 200 men were too uh, uh, were too weary physically. I mean, uh, they could have been. They could have been. They could have been just tired, just like, man, I'm tired. And 200 just said, I'm tired. I believe that they were too weary because of depression and despair. Oh, I say this because remember in verse four, it says that they wept until they had no more power to weep. Then verse six said that they talked of stoning David because the soul of all of the people were grieved and bitter. This, you know, David took these 400 men. He's, he was encouraged in the Lord And then he tried to encourage these men with these words. Four hundred of them, um, you know, took off and were with David, said, we're we're with you. And two hundred just said, "Nah, we just, yeah, we we're going to sit this one out. You know, and they sat by the brook Bezor. Or this is the word for all of us when we allow our grief to keep consuming us. Don't miss what I'm about to say here. It will paralyze us. And keep us from moving to where we are too weary to keep doing the work of the Lord. And that's where I found myself. I didn't want to do the work of the Lord uh, anymore because I I slipped into despair, into uh, depression. And it paralyzed me and my lazy boy at my house. Just so the same thing is true here. They were so paranoid. Uh, and, and depressed and and weirded out, you know, so they just said, you know what, we're we, we going to sit this one out. And I believe they did it because they were depressed and it paralyzed them from continuing to go into battle. And so, too, it, it can happen to us. Remember, I said we are either in grief, we're in the midst of grief or just came out of grief. When you see yourself slipping. You better do some self-talk like David did because it will paralyze you. The next thing you know, you're saying stuff like this. Ring, ring. Oh, good, good afternoon, uh, Cornerstone. Well, um, 
can you just let them know I'm just, I'm just going to uh, step down for a little while? Because your depression and your despair has now paralyzed you from going into battle for those kids, to go into battle for those teenagers, to go into battle for those men. Because now you're depressed and despair and that depression and despair, if you don't do self-talk, will paralyze you where you can't move. And you'll be like these guys sitting by the brook Bezor. I I had it happen to me. And it happened. With these 200 men. Yes, yes, I will admit. Yes, the Hebrew word for weary means dead, tired or to faint. But I believe that it was from grief And not necessarily physically. These guys were physical athletes, so to speak. They were running around with David. David was a man's man. Wasn't sitting around, you know. His stomach didn't look like mine. David was a man's man. Look at verses 11 through 15. Says, then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. And they gave him bread bread, um, and he ate. And, and they uh, let him drink water and they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him for he had eaten no bread, no drunk water for three days and three nights. Uh, then David said to him, to whom do you belong and, and where you come from? He says, well, I'm a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite. Oh, I'll come back to that. And my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. Uh, We made an invasion of the southern area of the Cherethites in the territory which belongs to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb. And we burned Ziglag with fire. Then David said to him, well, can you take me down to this troop? So he says, you know, swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master And I will take you down to this troop. Now, is that that ring we we were looking for coming? So he's finally here at at three. When we about to leave. Oh, okay. All right. I digress. Now, in these verses, we see the hand of God guiding David. Notice how the Lord never told David specifically where to go. He just told him in verse eight to pursue and you shall surely overtake them and recover all. God will never give you step two until you obey step one. God just told him to pursue and God will guide him. And and sure enough, God guided him here. Now we see in verse 11, the instrument God used to guide David, an Egyptian man in the field. Now don't discount the people God sends your way to help you out. You know, because you're well taught, Egypt is a picture or type of the world in the Bible. So God had David and his men meet a person of the world to get some vital information from him. So everyone will not be a Christian who will help you out in life. I mean, everyone that's helping us out, I mean, you don't have to interrogate them. Say, Are you a Christian? When did you become a Christian? No, it could be a person of the world. There have been many people who were not Christians who have helped, helped me out throughout life. It may be an Egyptian person of this world. It may be a Pharaoh that helped Joseph out. 
Pharaoh wasn't a Christian. But God used Pharaoh in order to save the whole nation of Israel. Non-Christian, Pharaoh. So don't always look or, or don't discount the people God sends your way. Oh, Mary was about to miss Jesus, wasn't she? Because she thought Jesus was the, uh, was the gardener. She was weeping. <laughs> and Jesus said, Mary, what's up with you? And she said, I'm looking for my Lord. And he said, Mary. And she said, oh, Rabboni, Jesus, you know. But she almost missed him because she thought he was the gardener. The disciples almost missed Jesus when they were on the Sea of Galilee and the storm came. They were in the midst of the storm, had been roaring all these hours. And they almost, because they thought Jesus was a ghost. No, freaked out. Do not discount the people God sends your way. The Bible says it is God in 2 Corinthians 7, 6. It is God who comforts the downcast and he comforted us by the coming of Titus. Oh, Lord, comfort me. I'm in such despair. Ding dong. You look through the people. I ain't getting that door. Oh, God, comfort me. Comfort me. You know, ring, ring. You look. I ain't answering that. It is God who comforts the downcast and he comforted us by the coming of Titus. God could be sending you a Titus, but you miss it because you discount him. You're looking for God to do it as if God is going to open the sky and, and start putting his hands into your situation. No, God uses people. God uses people. That's who God uses. So don't discount the person or the instrument God wants to use to bless you. Notice how David and his men treated this man. They gave him bread to eat and water to drink. This goes with what we've been talking about all weekend. Show kindness to people. Galatians 6.10 says, therefore, as you have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So many of you, I'm just going to help Christians. That's good. But it said, do good to all, especially to those of the household of faith. Uh, if Ephesians uh, 4.32 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. I think for some Christians, we, we've, we've forgotten how to be kind to people. Nowadays, is are you, you, you got a mask on? I'm not going to be kind to you. How did you vote? Oh, I'm really not going to be kind to you. And you took the vaccine. You took the mark of the beast. And we're just weird today. Christians are weird. We're, we're, we come off weird to people. And we got to just, did we forget how to be kind to be like Jesus? This is what, like I said, keep, have your opinion. It's not a heaven or hell issue. We're at the pearly gates. Did you wear your mask the whole time you were down there? And did you get the vaccine? To hell you go. That flame that's burning over there. Stop, people. Be kind to people. Tender hearted. Please. 
Let's not forget that these verses are in the Bible. It's not just the Bible doesn't consist of Acts 529. I got to obey God rather than man. That's not the only verse in the Bible. You, you realize that, don't you? There are 31,102 verses in the Bible. And you, many people act like there's just one. I got to obey God rather than man. Acts 529. Please, people, please be kind. David was kind to this man. They, he didn't know this man from Adam. He gave the man, see him, he's laying on the ground, half sick and stuff. Gave the man some water and some bread. And just, just took care of him. He was just kind. Oh, are we only kind to Republicans? Are we only kind to Trump supporters? Oh, let me help you here. Let me help you. I had the awesome, awesome to be a fly on the wall, to be one of Trump's spiritual advisors. Oh, see, you didn't know that, did you? See, you didn't know that. Now you're looking all weird now. You know, oh, oh. I had, to, I had the awesome opportunity to be this close to lay my hand on the back of that man and praying for him. So anything I say politically, I, I, I got the pedigree to say what I'm saying. I've been to the White House. Or as Martin Luther King said, I've been to the mountaintop. I've been there. So no one can talk to me about some political uh, 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 side that somebody is on. I'm on God's side because hope for this country is not coming from the White House. It's coming from God's house when my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and turn from their wicked ways. God said, then I hear from heaven, forgive their sins and heal their land. That's what the word says. So, so this man was, was down and David, David, David showed kindness to him. And we should be showing kindness to people as well. Now, not only did he give him bread and water, but verse 12 said that they gave him, you know, uh, uh, some, some fig newtons too. Uh, 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 it said a cake of figs. Y'all don't read y'all's Bibles. Those some fig newtons. And, and, and a cluster of raisins. We know that figs and raisins are natural sources of energy. We know this because verse 12 goes on to say his strength came back to him after he had eaten these things. Well, we also found out that he had not eaten for three days and three nights. David begins to interview him in verse 13 by asking him some questions like, where are you from? Uh, you know, uh, he says, I'm an Egyptian, the servant of an Amalekite. Oh, Saul. <laughs> Had he only obeyed the Lord. Now what we see here, because I love to point this out. We know God told Saul to annihilate all the Amalekites. It's obvious that he didn't. So because he didn't fully obey God, now there are Amalekites running around enslaving people. Then he said to this Amalekite, um, and then he said that his uh, Amalekite master left him for dead because he got sick, the end of verse 13 says. And this is how the flesh would do us. As soon as we get sick and can no longer carry out his commands, which is fulfill our flesh, he leaves us behind to die. Uh, look at those who live for their fleshly appetites and desires. As soon as they get sick, 
with some sexually transmitted disease. They are left to die like we see in this verse. Then he tells an interesting story in verse 14, how they invaded the southern area, which belonged to Judah, and said at the end of verse 14, we, um, we burned Ziglag with fire, showing that he was a participant in the raid and in the burning. Some scholars suggest by him mentioning Ziglag uh, last shows that it was the Amalekites' main target. I'm not shocked because Satan wants to use the flesh to attack the people of God. What is the one thing we struggle with? We struggle with our flesh. Paul did too. He said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? And the people of God are Satan's primary target. And he uses the Amalekites, our fleshly appetites and desires to have us burning with impure passions. He loves to have us burning with impure passion in some area of our lives. He attacks and sets some fleshly area on fire and watch us burn in our flesh. And once we're burning, he leaves us and goes to another area of our flesh, just like we see here. David then asked him if he could take him to where they, they were. And, and he made David promise by God, I want you to notice that phrase, that he would not kill him after he gave them his master's location. Nor would he give him back to his master because uh, this meant death for being a snitch. And he goes on to say at the end of verse 15, if you promise to not kill me nor hand me over to my master, I will take you down to this troop. This Egyptian recognized David had a relationship with the God of Israel. This is why he says, swear to me by God. After a short encounter with us, can people tell that we have a relationship with the God of heaven? Is there something about us? Maybe we showing kindness. Maybe it's our goodness. Like David did for this Egyptian in the beginning. Is there something about us that when people encounter us, they can say, you, it's something different about you. Is there, is there something? What, what is it? That's how it used to be when, when we got saved almost, you know, for me, almost 40 years ago. That was the thing people used to say. What is it about you? You know, you, you know at that time, you know, Christians were known to, to be posing for a toothpaste commercial. We were always smiling. You know, and we, we learned a lot of that from Pastor Chuck. You know, Pastor Chuck was always smiling. So Christian Calvary Chapel guy, we were just yeah, we were going around cheesing. You know, yeah. And people said, you know, it's something different about you. Can people encounter us and tell that we have a relationship with the God of heaven? That's, that's, that's what we're talking about. Now, the question is, did David keep his promise? This guy said, if you, you know, I can take you down to where they are, but promise you won't kill me and promise you won't turn me back over to that taskmaster called the Amalekite. 
Did David do it? Well, because I would cut you off right there and just say, you got to wait until next time. But it, it, there are no more sessions. <laughs> so we know he went down and, and recovered all. We know that. Let me conclude with this. In this second message, Overcoming Grief, we saw how David strengthened or encouraged himself in the Lord. He had a little self-talk, which took his focus off of his grief and put it on the Lord. Then he went to the Lord in prayer. We also saw Proverbs 3, 6 uh, be fulfilled in David's life, which says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. God did this for David and he will do the same for us when we are going through grief. So if you're here grieving over the pains of life. Do these things David did, and you will find that God will be the lifter of your head like David will later write in Psalm 3 and verse 3. We're about to close in prayer. And, you know, you don't want to leave here being, as the worship team comes back up, You don't want to leave here just being a hearer of the word. You you want to be a doer because it's good to come and hear some good, you know, messages and then just going back and just say, yeah. And it and and it never affects your life. You you didn't do anything. The Bible says, be you doer of the word, not here only. Notice deceiving yourself, meaning that we can deceive ourselves into thinking we're right with God because we heard the word, but we never do the word. And so as the worship team come and they're going to close in 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 one song. If you want to come to the altar. And do business with God. Before you leave, you don't want to take this mess back with you. The secret faults, the secret sins, the the mess. And you don't you don't want to leave. I know, you know, it stopped raining. You're like, okay, we need to get in our car and go. But you what you need to do is get right with God first and leave whatever it is at the altar. You know, the song, oh, come to the altar. Father's arms are open wide. That's where we about to do some business. And so we're men. So we ain't going to be chicken. Like, oh, no, who's going to be seeing me? God, get up here. We're going to do, do some business. I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to go home. Get ready to serve and do business, you know, tomorrow. God's will tomorrow. I got three messages. Well, one message three times. Tomorrow. <laughs> so... As the worship team is playing, make your way down and whatever God has spoken to your heart, leave it here at the altar. Repent to him. I'm going to come back up, pray for you, and we're going to get hit the road. Simple as that. Is that good? All right, team. Lord, that's what we want. We want your presence, Lord. There's nothing like your presence. Your word says in Your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. May these men experience your presence. May they experience the pleasures evermore, Lord, with forgiveness, with leaving it here at the altar 
I pray that none of these men would take it back and and take it back with them, Lord. May they leave it right here. I pray that you'll reassure them with your peace that they're forgiven by you. Whatever it is that they're laying at the altar, whatever it is that they're putting here. Oh, God, I just pray. Give them a joy and peace in believing. Lord, thank you so much for this wonderful weekend you've given us. And dear God, we pray that your angels will be around us as we go to our various homes. Cover us with your blood. Oh God, be with us. Lord, may we come back renewed and may we come back, oh Lord, just refreshed by your presence. And Lord, I pray once again, your blessing upon the pastor of this church, that you will bless him and his boys and their families. Continue to give them vision. Continue to give them a fresh vision for this area. May they win D.C. for you, Lord. Oh, God, thank you for the tremendous opportunity to be here in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. Pastor Gary, thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you.